Acts chapter 9, verse 11 through, verses 11 through 20. And uh, the verse Bible is in the seat back in front of you as well as on the screen this evening. So those of you who are able, if you'll stand at this time, we'll be looking at Acts chapter 9. I'll read as you follow along, verses 11 through 20. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened, then was Saul certain then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the good day you've given to us today here at church. I thank you for the opportunity we have to hear. We uh, have been talking for <coughs> for the last uh, couple weeks, and I want to wrap it up tonight. And uh, I've been told that there's dessert tonight, and uh, uh, Sid has uh, uh, probably... Uh, making sure that I'm going to stay on the clock, um, but but we do want to, um, I know we've got a couple things on going afterwards, but I want to jump right in um, and uh, make sure we we uh, preach what the Lord has impressed upon us. I want to be a help to us tonight, and uh, you know, uh, this thought to when God looks for a house, uh, nobody's got a, a perfect one. Um, all of us are works in progress when it comes to our faith. The person who thinks he has arrived realize, ought to realize that he has probably just begun. And uh, none of us are, are polished pieces. We're all, um, you know, really what the Lord is, is working on, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, I want to do, do better in my Christian life. I want to do better in my home. I want to do better in my marriage. I don't want to say, well, it, it's good enough. You'd never say that if you showed up at a restaurant and they said, well, is this okay? It only hit the floor once. Um, you know, here at our restaurant, we observe the five-second rule very, very diligently. And anything that hits the floor, we try to make sure that it is up in less than five seconds. You know, it's amazing because, you know, especially with your first child. You know that first child? You're, you're kind of watching everything. And I was, <laughs> I was watching at the house today with uh, uh, Reagan and Madison were eating. And... Uh, uh, Reagan, you know, of course, with the first one, you, you're, you're so cautious about everything. And then I looked over, and here's Madison playing with a straw, you know, going like this. And I'm thinking, second child, second child, you know. Um, when, when it's the newborn, you're thinking, oh, you know, don't want anything bad to happen there. But, uh, you know, it's kind of kind of like how we grew up, man. We, I mean, we rode our bikes. We would have laughed at somebody with a helmet. 
when I was growing up. Now, I know you're saying, Pastor, don't say that. You're going to make my child not. But look, c- come on. You know, we would, helmet, we'd go, <laughs> you, know, you know, Bobby's got a helmet. You know, we, that's what we, you know, I'm telling the truth. And, and uh, but anyway, and so, uh, you know, we ran through the house carrying scissors, all those kinds of things. Now, I'm not, I'm giving terrible ideas. And moms and dads are saying, please don't listen to what preacher's saying right now. But uh, hey, we survived. So um, look, you mom shaking your head at me. Come on. All right, I should have stopped at the no helmet on the bike and leave it there. But anyhow, so uh, <laughs> I've, I've got a filter right now because there are multiple things happening here. Let's jump right into the message before I get in trouble. When God looks for a house, uh, let's pray and we'll, we'll jump right in where we left off last week. Lord, help us now, guide and direct <coughs> our words and our thoughts, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul becomes arguably the greatest Christian in the New Testament. God uses him to write uh, half uh, of the New Testament. Uh, Is it warm in here? It feels exceptionally warm. Joe, can you bump those down, maybe even just a degree or two, to where they uh, get some air going? Um, Maybe it's because as I'm filtering, I'm feeling it warm up in here. Um, But I am seeing some folks fan... um, and uh, normally, if they're expecting, I'll, that's okay. But I'm seeing other people who are not, who are fanning, and so uh, then uh, that's all good, too. All right, are we good? Okay. All right, let's jump right in, uh, now that I've offended others. When God looks for a house, uh, here we go. First of all, a house of prayer. The Bible reminds us in verse number 11, And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go in the street, which is called straight, inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Probably in the Christian life, there's nothing more neglected than prayer. Uh, we, we rarely do it. Uh, we go through life as best we can on our own, and when we hit those snags and road bumps and, and potholes and all those things, we, then uh, we want to pray. And we hope our friends pray because we want to tell them to pray. We're assuming they pray too. But the fact of the matter is, if most of your friends pray like you pray, how effective are your prayers going to be? I just, you know, I know it's, I know you, you know, I'm not, I don't, don't want you to feel convicted in church. I want to make sure you feel good. But really think about it. I know that uh, if, if tragedy struck and difficulty came and adversity that was overwhelming to you came into your life, who would you call? Who would you want to pray? Typically, that's somebody that we think and we hope uh, does actually, actually spend time in prayer. But God sent Saul, who would become the Apostle Paul, to this house. There's a man in there praying. He's speaking to me. He's, 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 uh, uh, he's inquiring of me. And so that's the first thing that we see when God looks for a house. The second thing, a house of promise. Verse number 12 of the same chapter reminds us, He hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, put his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And uh, the Bible says that God hath given us exceeding precious promises. It's one of the things that keep you going, keeps you going in life. Uh, now, I realize that uh, the promises of God in many cases... Um, they are, uh, they are conditional. Um, for instance, the Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is in a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. God says, you please me by faith, that's how you have to come to me. 
The Bible says that God came into the world to save everyone. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But that's not going to happen automatically. There's sometimes people, I've read people who think that God at, uh, at a certain point will have a change of heart and let everybody who's, who's paying for their sins uh, out and uh, uh, he won't uh, stay his wrath forever. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the smoke of their torment ascended up to heaven forever and ever. Uh, the Bible says there is a place where the worm dieth not, the fire is not quenched. This is not a message per se on hell, but those are promises of God. Now, God says, my preference is to save everybody, but it's up to you. The ball's in your court in regards to salvation. God did all the work, but you have to take the step of faith. The Bible says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God won't save you against your will. God wants to save you, but He leaves it up to you. Sometimes, you know, we talk about the sovereignty of God, the foreknowledge of God, but God always wrapped in there, intertwined, if you will, is the free will of man. God lets you choose. Always has, always will. Now, nonetheless, here's a a man, and uh, he... <clears throat> he talks about this house, first of all, being a house of prayer, a house of promise. Then the third thing, when God looks for a house, a house of protection. But the Lord said to him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. Uh, there was a lot of fear surrounding the apostle uh, Paul, who uh, saw here in this case, because, uh, man, he had been trusted. Uh, we saw how he'd been treating the church, and so because of that, we didn't want, uh, uh, we didn't want there to, uh, we're afraid to talk to him. We know what he's like, we know what he's done, we know his habits, we know his customs, and so we don't want anybody, uh, and so he's very, very intimidated by Saul of Tarsus. But God says, go ahead, go thy way, for I picked him, he's a chosen vessel unto me. That's another message in and of itself. But he said, don't worry about it, I've got this. And it's important for us to understand that whatever you face in life, you always have to keep it in the back of your mind. In fact, I was talking with someone just this week and some difficulties, they're here tonight, some difficulties they're facing. And one thing they have said to me on more than one occasion is that statement, God's got this, and how that's resonated. And it does, it resonates in our heart. Whatever you're facing, it doesn't mean that everything in the Christian life is smooth sailing. You know, there were times when the, the apostles thought they were going down. There were times in their life, in fact, there at um, the, uh, the week of uh, the Passion Week, um, there at uh, Calvary, uh, the Bible says they all forsook him and fled. They thought, we're, we're toast, this is done. We thought he was going to come, here we go, and he makes his uh, triumphal entry in here, and uh, on what we reference as Palm Sunday, and everything's great, and, and then boom, in just a matter of days, he's hanging on a cross. And the Bible says they all bolted, because they thought, this is it, it's over, it's finished, and, and uh, what are we going to do here now? And so, for us, in our lives, many times as we face things, we have to remember, God's got this. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes we, we want God to answer our prayers, our way, our time, but it doesn't always work that way. God's doing it His way, His time. We know that all things work together for good, but the Bible doesn't say for you. Sometimes we read that verse, and we, well, I'm claiming Romans eight twenty eight good, but claim it for all of Christianity, not personally. Now, you can claim it as a personal promise. It is, but, in, but God's a big picture God. God will do things that, for instance, why would someone give their only son for your benefit? Small picture makes no mistake. Big picture, oh, that's the redemptive plan of God. 
And so if you zero in on your life and say, well, this thing I'm going through, I know that it's going to work out good for me. That's not really what the Bible says. And we know that all things work together for good to them. Uh, for them, who are the called, them is plural. In fact, Romans 8, 28, 29, almost every verb that is used in there, or, or pronoun rather, that is in there is plural. And so what God is doing may not be for you. You can't say that what he, did to, what he allowed to happen in Job's life was for Job. Because he reminds us in the New Testament, you have heard of the patience of Job. Oh, so that happened for Job? No, that happened for you. And many times in our lives, we've talked about, hey, remember Job? Hey, remember David? You don't want to face Goliath, neither do I. You know, I, I don't want to, but I, but I know everybody in, in turn fate. Now you're pulling the shawls and the afghans and the blankets out and everybody's huddled up. And so are we good though? Are we good? How many of you, how many think, oh, pastor, this is awesome. How many, I, I'm not talking about the preaching necessarily, um, but how many, are you comfortable? How many of you are too cool? How many of you are still hot? This is Goldilocks. How many of you are just, it's just right. Okay. All right. Children's literature. Sorry about that. But Whatever is happening in your life, you have to understand God has this. And it doesn't mean that, boy, now everything is perfect and I don't have to worry about a thing. But God is reminding him here that it is a house of protection. I got to hasten here. When God looks for a house, a house of purpose, notice <clears throat> very carefully, but the Lord said to him, go thy way for he is a chosen vessel. The phrase there, or the, the, uh, the words in that particular component of the verse, he is a chosen vessel. In other words, God said, I have a unique purpose just for him. And every person that's ever drawn a breath, God has a unique purpose for them. I, I've, I think I've referenced this before, but sometimes uh, um, I remember reading an article some time ago, and it was talking about the greatest athletes in their fields of sport. And it, and it went on to say, basically, these are people who were created. They were made for this, but nobody was ever made for sport. Everybody was made for God's glory. Now, some people have gifts and talents, and certainly they work there, and, you know, I'm not sure how much of a gift it is to be 6'9 and 240. Um, that's just kind of, uh, that's a genetic blessing, you know, um, in some respects. But, but I, I do realize that they work and they polish and they have certain skills, but there's a lot of work that goes into that. I'm not minimizing that at all. But everything that God made, He made for His purpose, and that was to bring honor and glory to Him. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. It doesn't matter who you are, how much money you make, where you live, what you drive, kind of clothes you have, your income, your 401k, whatever your retirement plan is, none of that stuff matters. All that stuff is, is important in a lot of respects, but God says, I made you for me. That's why God made us. Now, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. That's why God made us. And so, but the specific purpose for Saul, here he was. He was in one moment, he had orders and decrees and was uh, binding up everybody to claim the name of Christ. The next moment, his life was dramatically transformed. Next, we see when God looks for a house, a house of power. Notice verse number 18, immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Probably had never seen anything like that, I would imagine. Just all of a sudden, here's a guy, he walks in blind and he leaves and he's got his sight back. You know what God wants to do in your house? Something that doesn't happen in every other house. You know, you and I, we hear about the miracles that God has done and the wonderful things that God has done, not only in the Word of God, but throughout history. And we think, yeah, that's a nice story, it happened to them. But you think, you think God is sitting up here and saying, man, I sure got tired in those... 4,000 years leading up to the New Testament, and really the first few decades of the New Testament era. But man, am I glad to finally take a break. 
I mean, really, because for the last 1,900 plus years, it's been kind of nice. I've just been chilling. Do you think God's that way? Do you, do you think God says, well, you know, I really, I, I'm, I'm exhausted. I mean, I don't know how many more people I can save, how many more marriages I can fix, how many more homes I can restore. Wow, this is, I mean, I, I don't know how many more financial situations I can remedy. I don't know how many churches I can help. I, you know, I, I don't know how sermons I can bless, how many lives I can, can transform. God always wants to do more than we want Him to do. I think many times we limit God's involvement because we really do want God involved, but we, you know, it's, it's kind of like turning on the hot water. Everybody's got a different temperature that they like, you know? And so, you know what I'm talking about? You, and now the hot water heaters, they got all these, you know, protections and scald guards. And now I don't like it scalding, but I like to know it's hot water. Okay. I, you know, I, I go into restaurants, you know, and you go to the bathroom and, and they got no hot water on. You know what I'm talking about? I don't like that. I, I, I want to wash my hands. I want the water to at least feel like, you know, and I, I want it to be hot water. When I turn hot, I want it to be hot. And some people, you know, I thought oh, that's too hot. But whatever, I like it hot. Now, when it comes to the Christian life, most of us like to treat God like the faucet. You know, I really want to go to church, and I want to have a good time, and I want to be blessed, and I want to enjoy the singing, and I want a fellowship and all of that. And there's dessert tonight, ice cream sandwich, cake. A uh, special request, and, and so, Robert, we've got to make sure you get over there first. Um, but we'll have that. My wife has made that. But, you know, and I, and I like that, but, you know, it's just a little bit of God. And by the way, when church is over, <laughs> shut that off. Why? Because, well, you know, I just, I, right now I'm good. I don't have any great burdens, no great worries, no great troubles, and really I, I, I'm, I'm okay to, to, to turn it off. And when are you going to turn it on? Uh, when I think about what's happening, when are we going to get out of church again? And then, uh, oh, oh, we've got, uh, uh, we've got uh, let's see, Iwana Awards, and, you know, i got to come because I teach. And so uh, I'll come and turn it on in a little bit. And then I'll be here Sunday morning, Sunday, you know, and, and that's kind of how we do God. But God wants to do amazing things in your life. He always has. He always will. You know, I, it, it's not that God is incapable of doing the impossible. We know the verse, with God all things are possible. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And God says, I've never stopped being able, nor have I ever stopped wanting to do that. Let me ask you this. Do you think if anybody was in our service this morning that was lost, God said, well, I didn't really want to save them today anyway. Do you think if there was anybody that needed to get something right with the Lord, or maybe forgiveness uh, from someone, or make something right with another, do you think God said, well, I was hoping they wouldn't do it today anyway. I really wanted them to put it off again. I really, in fact, I kind of like it when they kick it down the road because it, it keeps me busy. And I'm, almost, and I'm almost borderline there in how I'm saying that, referencing God. I don't want to be doing it in a disparaging way. But I'm just saying sometimes that's our attitude and approach to Him. And God says, no, I want to do great things. I want to do amazing things. And so the very fact He went to this house and a man who could not see, boom, God did a great work, and then He walks out. Now, that, that's... Uh, that's the kind of house where they put up those markers later and say, hey, something happened here. And to a lot of people, that's, not, that's a big deal. I remember my wife and I, we were in uh, Connecticut, I think it was, or maybe it was New York, somewhere over there. And we were, we were visiting. Um, I was preaching at a church, and uh, someone told me the house that Fanny Crosby was born in and lived in for the first few years. And so... Um, we drove to it. It was, it was amazing. 
because it's a house on a, on a two-lane road, and it, it's, a, it's an old stone house. And, and on the front of it, I, I can remember, there was like a stone wall, like, almost like a retaining wall. It was completely overgrown. I mean, but there was a plaque on that wall. You had to get out and move all the grass and, and the, the covering of it to see this was the home that Fanny Crosby was born in. She was born in that house right there, and, um, and, and she lived there. And, of course, Fanny Crosby, greatest hymn writer in history, right? Kind of a big deal, right? Okay? So we, we go up to the house. People were, a, a renter was living in the house. There was a big wheel in the driveway. I never got one when I was a child, so I remember that distinctly. I don't remember a thing else, but I remember they got a big wheel. And so I remember looking at that big wheel, and, but those people had no idea who Fanny Crosby was living in that home. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal, Fanny Crosby, you know, lived right here, you know, a great hymn writer. Yeah, there's a plaque. Yeah, there's something down there on the road, you know, and it's all covered up with grass, and, you know, it's not, not really that big of a deal to them. Amazing. Do you think God's ever said, well, I don't want to do that stuff anymore anyway? I have a friend of mine who's a pastor who went to, I think it was uh, Linfield, Connecticut, and to the, literally to the site, and there's a marker there that marks the spot where Jonathan Edwards preached centers in the hands of an angry God. And it's right outside of a church that is in operation today. It's nothing like us or nothing like where uh, Jonathan Edwards would have preached. And uh, it, there's, a, there's a lady pastoring that church now where he preached that sermon. And so a pastor friend of mine went there to visit because he just wanted to see the sight, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And so he asked the pastor, the, the lady who was the pastor at that time, and asked her, is, is this the place where uh, the, the sermon happens? She said, oh, yeah, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And he said she just kind of made real light and made fun about it. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Yeah, that happened here a long time ago. And I, I remember as he was, now I did not hear her say that, I didn't see it, but he, he did all the gesture and he said it was just kind of a, making a mockery of, of that particular sermon. One of the most, uh, in fact, the most widely printed sermon in, in history other than the Gospels and other than what the sermon in the Word of God. But many times we, we have heard of God doing great things and we see those things. We think, yeah, that's great. It's a neat story. Boy, that's cool. But not for me. See, every one of you in here, every one of us, we have hurts and problems and struggles. Do you really want God to do something amazing? Are you just okay with... I, you know what, I'm okay, I'm okay with the, the, the rote, the mundane, and the average. That's all I ever want. Just, I just want to be a coaster. Kind of, I, whatever happens, happens. Do you feel that way? Do you think about your children as you're thinking, well, what do you want want for my kids? I don't know. Just, I just want them to make it. (laughs) You know, what do you want them to do? I don't know. You you know, do you, just, uh, I don't care. What what, what about their marriage? I don't care. Somebody, anybody that'll have them. (laughs) You know, as long as, you know, the grandkids are okay to look at, you know. I mean, I I'm, I'm okay as long as I'm not. You got any pictures? Nope. Uh, you know, I can't find a one. How about that? No, I, I, you know, as long as that's all we're looking for. But I don't think anybody of us really want that. I think in our hearts we're saying, I know he can, but would he for me? What's happened to our faith? It's been shaken in many 
respects, it's been shattered. See, God has never stopped being able, nor has He ever stopped wanting to do the un- uh, unbelievable things. So, I hasten, a house of power. Then, let me say this further, a house of provision, verse number 19, same passage, Acts nine nineteen. when he received meat, he was strengthened, then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. I love the great stories, and these, this kind of dovetails in the fifth point there, regarding a house of power, and that is that God uh, not only wants to do great things, but he, but he comes through with a, when we say a house of provision. The Bible says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Now, your need may not necessarily be a McLaren. Okay, I mean, you think, nice, but that's not really what you need. And so sometimes we think, and some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, just a, an expensive car, okay? Fancy car, fancy this, fancy that. And sometimes we think those are the things we want. And by the way, nothing wrong with God's blessing and favor upon you. I'm not minimizing that in any way. But sometimes we get wants and needs confused, and they, you know, this is what I want, and, you know, this, this is... But we got to learn to, first of all, be content whatever we have. Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And, but, but God says, I can take care of your needs. I, I, can, I can meet your needs. God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ever ask or think. You know those stories about George Mueller. That's, that's not just a different God, a different person, a different time, a different place. That is the same God. It's important for us to understand that and not, oh, that's amazing, and just, just view those things as if, well, that, that, was, that was how God did it then, and that was those people. God wants to do those things. Hey, listen, let me ask you this, moms and dads, grandparents, aunts, uncles, anybody that has any relationship or responsibility with children, do you want your kids to be able to see God say in their mind and in their heart, they may never express it, do you want them to be able to say, listen to me, hear this, and I, you say, well, my children are already grown. I, that's, that's irrelevant to this thought. Do you want the people who come to your house, live there, visit there, drop their children off, and you care for them? For, do you want them to say, this place was a place that God was at work? God was busy. God was engaged, and God was involved. And, and I, I, I knew that God was welcome. I knew that his presence was there, and I I knew that his power was there, and I knew that his provision was there, and I knew that God was busy there and at work. You know, we can put up every plaque we want, every sign, and we can put those those things up, the writings on the wall, and, and, and all those different kinds of things. But really, the question is, does God do anything here? Anything ever happen here? That's a real question. That's a sobering question. That each, you know, we, I, I love the sign, but as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. But is that true, or is it just a sign you got on the wall that you bought from somewhere and you thought, oh, this will look good there? And I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just saying when God looked for a house, there were some, some signal uh, characteristics of this place. One of them was it was a house of provision. I hastened then. Number six, I believe it is, a house of preaching. The Bible says, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. The only preaching that, you know, everybody needs preaching, myself included. It doesn't, we're, none of us are immune to that. 
And so you ought to be regularly hearing the preaching of the Word of God. It, it doesn't matter who we are. Sometimes people say, well, I've heard, I've heard more sermons than I can count. Me too. And I, I li- there are guys that I listen to and sermons that I read regularly. And so <coughs> it's, it's real easy now because you can download anything you want, hear anybody you want. And, and, and it's, it's far easier than it used to be. It used to be it was, you know, the old cassette tapes, you would put those in and you'd listen and you were kind of, uh, you know, you look funny walking around with a, a little cassette thing. But now it's, it's very easy. But uh, everybody needs preaching. But not only that, you see, some of you, listen to me, if, if you are the, the spiritual caregiver in your home, and it's not always the dad, it could be either, it could be both, should be both, but it ought to be that there is some godly counsel given in that home. It ought not be that... Uh, that we sit there and our children, our grandchildren, whoever we have any type of fiduciary relationship and responsibility to, and we, we care for their souls, we care for them, but we don't ever tell them how to, do, how to, how to live. It's almost like we're, we're afraid to say anything. You see, sometimes we talk about preachers who are, um, you know, reluctant to speak the truth because of the cultural climate. And sometimes we have moms and dads and grandparents who don't want to say anything. Well, you know, I don't want to upset them. Do you want your doctors to treat you that way? Well, I hate to tell them he's dying. Just, you know, and I'm being, I'm being a little facetious there. I, I don't want to give him bad news. I, you know, when he asks, what did the scans say? You know, I'm just going to tell him you're good. Really? And I, I'm being light there, and I don't mean to be flipping about something that, that in many instances is very serious. I want a doctor that's going to tell me the truth. I don't want to mix words. I just, just go ahead, put it out there, and then we'll go from there. But sometimes as parents, particularly sometimes when it's a mom and dad and there's that, there's that split role, you know, and so if someone says, go ask your dad, go ask your mom. Somebody's got to be one that is willing to say, well, let's, you know, let's... And not in a flippant way, but someone who really says, what does God say about it? Because at the end of the day, your opinion, my opinion, doesn't really matter. The only opinion that matters is what, what does God say? And sometimes we don't need the one who pushes that, the one who says that. But we ought to be. And so our house ought to be a house where there is preaching. And the Word of God is freely preached. And it's welcome. I can remember growing up where on Saturday night, there was never a question about whether or not we were going to church. I've said this before, but it's so true. And somebody needs to put their foot down and say, hey, we're going to church. It's church day. We don't, it's not something we have to negotiate about. We just go to church. I tried to wiggle out of it so many times, and then I realized, boy, you know, the spankings really don't make it worth it. I remember trying to say, I'm sick. And, you know, and some, I can remember you know, even crying. Well, that's because I didn't have a helmet. But I, I can remember, uh, sorry, Bobby had the helmet down, our, down the street. I don't even know if there was a Bobby on our street. Sorry if your name's Bobby. I don't, or Robert, close enough, I guess. But anyway, so you got a helmet? <laughs> um, so, but I can remember, um, you know, sniffling and maybe even crying just a little bit. And I would get things like, you know, I'll give you something to cry about. And I don't know where that verse was, but my mother had that memorized. I mean, she never gave a reference, but I always knew what she meant. I'll give you something to cry about. You know, stop that crying, you know. And um, 
that, that's kind of how I grew up. I remember trying to act like I was sick, taking the thermometer, running it under hot water, running that bad boy up to it, shot up to 106. I walked in. I still remember 106. You know, Mom, I think I got a fever. And here it is, you know, the old mercury thermometers. And, of course, Mom was a nurse, so she knew that I probably wasn't actually 106 degrees and still vertical. But so I walked in, and guess what? I went to church that morning. Um, I couldn't sit down, but I went to church. And I realized, uh, some of you figure that out later too. And, you know, but someone always said, we're going to church. We're going to church. Because this is a house where preaching is received, preaching is given, and preaching is welcome. I I want my, I I know that uh, I have not been the dad that I I wished I would have. It's like Robert and I were talking with Alex's graduation and, um, you know, how awesome it is to see our young people graduate and, and, and move on to new chapters of their life. And by the way, a little shout out, he, he got Christian character again. And uh, I told his family, that is no surprise to me at all what a fine young man he is, as is so many of our young people. But he said to me, he said, you know, he said, it's one of those times where you kind of ask yourself, did I give him everything I should have? Because, and I've thought about that every time when I've walked one of my girls down the aisle to get married. And, and you know, I get, so, I really do. I get emotional, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker. And when I'm coming to, <laughs> um, who gives this woman away? Nobody. You know, <laughs> he stole her. Yeah, that's, that's, that's I'm not, this is, you know. But anyway, um, but each time as I, I'm walking down the aisle, I'm thinking, did they get it all? Was there something else I could have or should have said? And I really want my home to be that way. And I realize, you know, with Rebecca and Lauren still at home a, a little bit, you know, and even now Lauren graduating from college and Rebecca away at college for most of the year now, I, I realize that those, those windows are closing, but I never want to stop teaching. I want it to be a place that God looks at and says, that's a house that I'm pleased with. I believe with all of my heart that if God looked at us tonight and he'd say, these homes from Timberline Baptist Church, they're my kind of home. Because I believe that one of the greatest blessings that could rest upon any church would be the strength of the homes within that church. Shall we stand? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just very, very quickly in way of invitation. If you're here tonight and God has spoken to your heart, then I think uh, so often uh, through the thoughts of this message these last few weeks, this particular house that God looked for. It was a house where prayer was welcome. It was a house of promise. It was a house of protection, purpose, power, provision, preaching. And our homes ought to be that way. And if God spoke to your heart any time during this time, I, I hope that we would not just be hearers, but be doers of the Word. We'd put uh, to practice in our own life the things that God has spoken to us about, perhaps a way of correction, perhaps a way of challenging, and maybe for all of us to just uh, kind of hit the reset button in some way and say, that's what I want for my home. I want it to be a home that God is pleased with. Lord, would you bless in our time of invitation as you've spoken and directed in our hearts. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. As the piano plays, if God's spoken to you tonight, would you come?
just very, very quickly. You're certainly welcome to pray at your seat if you're not able to get out. But boy, if you're thinking about, I'll tell you what I want. I'll tell you what I'd like for my home to be. Maybe even some of you that you don't even have your own homes yet. You don't have children, but wherever you're at, would you say, God, help me. Help it to be that kind of place. A place where you're welcome. A place where you're received. Many folks at the altar tonight. I realize not everybody can get down here, but boy, we ought to be seeking the Lord and saying, this is what I want. It's what I need to be. Help our hearts to be sensitive. Help our hearts to be seeking. Help our hearts to be submissive to the Word of God. Have thine own way. Well, amen. Look this way just, just real quickly. I, d- I do want to say this.